let's do one, two, three, clap. One, two, three. Remembered I didn't do a great job introducing you um, on our first episode. Because uh, <laughs> well, we kind of just started talking. Yeah, uh, but we did go to high school together. Basically, ninth grade was when I feel like, well, we were in the same French class for a day before you switched to Spanish. Yes, which like in my defense was because I was actively rebelling against my mother and I refused to do anything that was related to my family, which was speak their native language, French. <laughs> well, it's a good reason. Yeah, well, it's just funny because then it, in a turn of events, mom ended up being right. And I made all my friends, like all of my friends came from that class essentially later. Yeah, it's fine. We met up later that year or the next summer, I guess, the summer after ninth grade. Mm -hmm. Somehow, I guess, just hanging out at like residential pools in Madison, Mississippi. Yep. With all of our friends and their driver's licenses and their Camrys and whatever. Yeah, like uh, beat up cars, going in the woods for fun, nothing really to do. <laughs> so I think it was just a link up of a bunch of similar minded people. Um, but we bonded over pop music. That's what I was going to say. I remember it being like, at a stop sign and this was the a year where we were also doing a lot of like chinese fire drills yes uh, which by the way when we were talking about i recently had a conversation about you know the uh, lack of political correctness around chinese fire drills um and so the only thing i could think of that could like make it politically correct was calling it a clown fire drill this is we're doing this thing where we go to a stoplight and you jump out of the car and switch seats and get back into a different car door than the one that you exited out of. Mm -hmm. Or if you have multiple cars at the stop sign, you can switch to other cars. I think it was the summer of like Lady Gaga's first album or something. Yeah, I want to say Poker Face was hitting the radios. Or Just Dance. Just Dance and Poker Face were the two that I think dropped it would have been 2009 the year that we finished ninth grade mm -hmm. like <laughs> just like what a funny um way to bond <laughs> yeah everyone else wanted to sing the words but it's like it's summertime everyone let's have fun along with like mgmt playing too so it's a little bit of like it was like a mix of music at the time Oh, God, we were so obsessed with Passion Pit, that mm, one album. Mm-hmm. Like the sleepy Could head. Could in a car. Yeah, yeah. Without hearing that. So a year ago was when we officially started planning the reunion. <gasps> oh, my God. Um, wow, amazing that you have the art kids who, you know, would try to skip pep rallies, then 10 years later planning the high school reunion. <laughs> For a graduating class of, like, 500-something people, like, there's, like, what were the odds that that would end up happening yeah, the There were a lot of other people that could I mean, have stepped up. I think what ended up mattering yeah. was that uh, someone needed to have the gall and the 
audacity mm. to uh, I don't know to, to throw the coup basically to overthrow Rod Bridges <laughs> right yeah 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 like to overthrow our class and I've already done it once before uh, in ninth grade which you remember well so like why not do it again god that was funny within like a week we had a website y'all had come up with a theme i built a website we made a logo i made um, the instagram and started branding the entire thing but it was so funny because like we dropped it all at the same time so everyone got hit with an instagram a website a poster like it all hit yep, at the same save time the date was released a week after yeah. the instagram started so it was yeah uh, everyone had a date that they could put in their calendar and then ticket sales and then by the end we had like a koozie a t-shirt a program a step and repeat red carpet Mm -hmm. (laughs) a live band open bar with a signature cocktail (laughs) am i missing anything a really yeah a really angry delta eight salesman (laughs) oh right and i've actually have talked about that on this podcast before oh yeah yeah you did you did um that that was so funny too um you and I preparing a whole speech only to have um a fellow classmate jump up and drunkenly steal the thunder (laughs) and like and you and I just standing there like okay well we had a whole thing like an intro prepared but fine I guess he did it like couldn't have planned that and then at the end of the night instead of like wait Haley was supposed to announce the raffle people but then some people who didn't even end up helping out ended up reading the raffle people yeah like Oh, well, I, yeah, I lost you for, like, you were gone for probably an hour and a half. I had no idea where yeah, you were. Yeah, that sounds really familiar, I, I, but I, I feel like I also <laughs> didn't know where you were, so we were having the same experience. I don't know which one of us was actually, like, the disappearee. Um, yeah, that is a great point, because I was running around a lot, and you were too, so maybe we're just, like, in I the was same probably, boat. like, with the, the damn thing. Northside Sun photographer lady, trying to get all the pictures that we needed and make sure that everything was working with like the raffle um tickets mm. and in the press i was doing press correspondence so our advertisers would get their money's worth um <laughs> you were like oh, they put money in this we gotta figure this out <laughs> yeah i don't care who thinks it's lame that i got excited about high school reunion it was such a cool event we ended up having a budget of like was it like eleven thousand dollars about oh my god yeah we made we made like bank well because we had what a thousand from uh, a saved up in a trust for the the class and then we generated close to thirteen thousand dollars in revenue yeah from ad sales in our program and red carpet yeah and then from i mean it really went to show (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that if you want to, you can make it happen, I guess. <laughs> no, really, though. It is it is true. I think I got so much joy out of that experience, planning that reunion, um, and just having something to really pour myself into that was not my own job, that, like, then by the time a couple months passed after the reunion, I'm like, I need to find something else like that again. And basically started coming up with different ideas for a podcast before I landed on this one. Mm, wow, I forget that this was birthed from the, like, 
thrill of running a project. Yeah, yeah. Didn't even know what it was going to be about. I just wanted something to spend hours a day working on. And uh, that worked out pretty well for a few months. And then uh, now I'm, like, tired of all of the work. But I'm also... Yeah, you know, trying to do a job search currently. I don't know if, if there's an impression out there that I don't work at Grubhub anymore as a result of the podcast, and I can not confirm or deny that <laughs> because I don't really fucking know. I mean, I definitely was not putting as much effort into my job, but that was not, like, a sacrifice. That was, like, a choice, because, yeah. anyway, I, I still believe that at that company, putting 100% of yourself in is a recipe for failure. And maybe I mm. went too far in the other direction, but um, either way, it was not a good place yeah. to uh, apply yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, all, it all went the like, way it needed to go, you know? Period. Yeah, it's quit your job season. Let's go. I think I've applied to, like, 30 jobs. Damn, I think in the past two years I've applied to, like, 100-something. Like, <laughs> There's a point where I would rather, like, I, I tweeted this, but I, I would rather be, like, in prison than be a person that's applied to, like, 1,000 jobs. Like, if I get close to even the 500 mark, I, I should just be, like, hiring an assassin at that point. Like, I don't want to be that person. Like, I just, I cannot deal with the begging and the lack of self-respect ah, not the lack of self-respect yeah self, self i've been reading um joan didion and taking taking the self-respect bit uh to heart when it comes to the job search <laughs> you know i agree with that i have to say that like i i have like i have flexible self-respect i'll say that but I, when it comes to job searching, I like to like kind of dip my toe in, you know, maybe I'll throw out a couple applications mm-hmm. and then I act to like act hard to get kind of yeah. after I'm like, oh, I'm not applying to any more right now. Like as if I have any position, like I freelance obviously, but like as if I'm in some position to be like, oh, I'm hard to get. I only supp- apply to select jobs when really at the end of the day, is that... Like, I just don't have the stamina built to be one of these people that can, like, apply to a ton of jobs and stay on it. Like, I just don't have the work ethic for that. Yeah, I mean, it's just... But when I when I see that people have done that, it's never, like, for me, an impressive feat of endurance. It's always, like, are you stupid? Like, that's my response. It's like, are you dumb? Why did you apply to 500 jobs? Like, and they'll be, like, only got this many interviews and... And I believe them in the job market and not even just the job market, but the way that the online application system is built is so full of scams and the way that HR departments work. It's so on, it's so dishonest and a lot of job postings aren't even real. Um, so like, I believe that they did apply to 500 and not get a single offer because how much of it is not real but I feel like at a certain point you have to stop what you're doing and choose a different strategy use a little different level of discernment try something different like for me if if I have a career that I'm interested in and I apply to like three to five 
um, entry level or whatever kind of positions I think I'm qualified for in that path and none of those work out um that dream's over I'm not doing it again like that's done (laughs) he says no Mm -mm. well it's funny you say that about scams America's kind of going through it the world is going through it but like we're really going through it um because our government like especially hates us so like we obviously a lot of people are losing their jobs tech layoffs blah 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 and I've noticed because I've been applying for some time and I went freelance in April I've started getting all these spam recruiters in my dms and it's just like on and on and on and a million scam emails about commissions because they saw my online portfolio and it's just become a joke at this point but I was tattooing someone the other day oh Mm -hmm. I guess I should back it up I got a recruitment email that looked a little bit more legit than usual. And I was like, huh, maybe I'll follow up with it. And it was to be a graphic designer for John Deere. But their recruiting company was based out of India. And I'd like gone into the internet. I tried to do as much research. It was kind of like 50-50 on whether or not it was a scam. I was like, okay, I'll respond, send my email, my resume, and then like he can reach Mm -hmm. out. He calls me, like, immediately. Red flag. Yeah, yeah. He calls me immediately, which is, like, that's a scam because everyone, like, set up a time, a date, jobs. No. Calls me immediately. And I don't answer. And then I get, like, this spammy thing in my LinkedIn from him being like, hey, I called. You didn't answer. Um, Which I thought was very peculiar. And so I was tattooing someone the other day. And he's also a freelance graphic designer. And we were talking about the scams, same conversation you and I are having. But then he goes on to say, yeah, but I've met one that's really Hmm. legit. And I was like, huh, okay, you know, tell me about it. What job is it for? And he goes, oh, well, you won't believe it, but it's it's kind of funny. It's for John Deere. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I just like, and it was one of those things where I was like, I'm just not going to say anything. I just opted. I knew you were. I knew you were going to say that because I would do the same fucking thing. I would be like just nodding politely straight up. I would have done the same yeah, thing. I, I just sat there. I mean, I won't sit there while I'm like actually tattooing his skin, but like was just like, oh, okay, cool. And I was like, well, you really need to let me know how that goes. Cause he was like, no, it was, it was fine. Like I had the call with the recruiter so I told him to keep me updated, and so now I have somebody who followed through on the scam that I opted out of to see if he actually gets the job with John Deere or not. Like, <laughs> I can't wait oh, perfect. to see like how this turns out. So it's perfect. Yeah, I basically get to figure out if it was a scam or not, which, like, some would say, well, Sarah, if he ends up getting the job, then that's a job you could have had. And it's like, sure, but I would rather not be the person that's right you'd rather it. respect like, yourself you know what i mean yeah like i don't want to be the test subject like if he gets it that's awesome for him but i wasn't willing to take this leap of faith i just have too much it, it was too much for me in that moment I, you could call it self-respect i definitely was just like i can't do this Fair. either way <laughs> so so yeah so that that's my little i can't wait to tell you yeah no i'm no i'm hooked i had an interview yesterday maybe no two days ago that I ghosted because I knew it would make me too angry to go through with the being lied to or being manipulated because unfortunately their strategies are pretty effective. They know how to talk to somebody that is really, really yearning to Mm -hmm. hear good news in a way that just makes them completely willing to believe things that 
logically they understand are probably a lie or too good to be true. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, that's why, I mean, I get angry because I'm like, this is so predatory of people. Like, of course, this would be happening during this time. They're like, oh, Americans are going through it. Let's, like, really exploit this. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like dating. Like, just because you really want a partner doesn't mean you need to choose whoever's there. Yeah. Like, you would be better off saving your energy and your time for something that's worth. But I get, I get it. Money's on the line. And you, you know, money makes us do crazy shit. It is how it is. Like, follow up with a recruiter from India for John Deere. <laughs> God. <laughs> crazy shit. Yeah. I, just, what, so, what are, what are we talking about today? Because I could get complain about this forever, and I probably will circle back to it. I know. I know. We really gotta, we really gotta, um. Set our docket. Um, it's pretty simple. Basically, yeah. we are gonna cover the most recent rant on Azalea Banks's Instagram story, which I've been following for, at this point, maybe eight years. Um, although it used to be her Twitter account that rants would go on. Yeah. And we'll talk about Twitter a little bit, too. RIP. So it all comes back to Elon Musk and Azalea Banks, in a way. Gonna try and analyze... Elon's recent behavior. <laughs> Lord. And they'll go together, I think, pretty well. I mean, it all it all goes together. They are, Elon, Azalea, and Grimes are like, like all their paths in life, unfortunately, have all converged oh, yeah. to the point to where like they will never be able to separate as people. Like those three individuals, unfortunately, are linked by the stars. Um, it is... It's just makes too much sense now. Um, and maybe, like, the only person who's really hurting from that is probably Elon. But, like, I mean, Azalea needed to come into his life to show us who he really was. Because that was the first time that, like, I got a real grasp of who he was. Like, she outed him for being, like, absolutely unhinged. That was five years ago at this point, which is crazy. That's insane. And in those five years, since he's crossed paths mm. with her... And Grimes, but I just would say her particularly, because Grimes was willing to hide. Ever since then, everything about him has turned totally cringe and weird. Everything he does. Like, renaming Twitter as X, cringe. Yeah. It's cringe. Yeah. Like, her power is not the same as, like, a businessman's power. It's very, like, cultural mm-hmm. and something that someone like Elon Musk probably could not understand because it's too nuanced and you can't throw money at cultural like cultural can transcend it's not a pie chart thing yeah like it can generate money sure but it it's kind of like trying to predict trends like it's up in the air you never know yeah totally you never know what it's gonna be so i am going to have to play this for the audience to hear Okay, let's go. So I have these theories. Like, I, I, I have my own theory of evolution, you know. So, you know, let's let's think about Pangea. We think about, like, the primordial waters and stuff like that. In lots of spiritual scriptures and texts, it's always the serpent that is, like, you know, the evil thing. 
now you know you have three cortexes of your brain you have a neocortex you have a limbic cortex and you have a reptilian cortex and a reptilian cortex controls all type of like involuntary shit like your heartbeat your like cell your you know ability to fucking salivate uh your body temperature blinking you know your endocrine system all that type of shit like that but also there lives your flight or your your flight or fight complex um and this is over a black screen on our instagram story that breaks down so the neocortex is for problem solving the limbic cortex is for interpersonal relationships family nation religious community ties and the reptilian cortex is the fight or flight complex and then she starts talking about snakes, but I think we should take a break here. Yes. So do we want to we want to stop before the snakes? Because I felt like the snakes is where really where her point like where she really starts to like like about the spinal column and the vertebrae in your back and the beginning of man. I uh, will take an aside because I wanted to bring something up and then we'll go to the snake part. So okay, sounds good. As Far back as 2015, which I think is the year that I first became a fan, it was the year I started dating Jay, and he introduced me to her, and mm-hmm. I think the song Ice Princess had just come out as a single for Brooke with Expensive Taste, uh, so yeah, that, that was like a very specific obsession that started just around a couple songs, it wasn't at that point as much related to her online presence. Um, but now it's like an obsession yeah. almost specifically with her online presence. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the music is secondary now. <laughs> Basically. I mean, it is to her. So I took a screenshot of some tweets that I found that I believe were from 2015 and it says, uh, why do white folk have to be so disappointing all the time? Whiteness may be a mental illness. The general disregard for other people's struggle that white folk generally have is not of this earth. And if all the pharmaceutical companies have a pill for every emotional disorder, why don't they invent something to cure whiteness? Why have they not invented a pill to save the planet from whiteness? There has to be some way to uh, affect that reptilian cortex and fix it. So this idea of hers goes back at least eight plus years that white people have a different um like or a stunted capacity for empathy that she believes is tied to this reptilian cortex which at the beginning of her rant she's already putting on the on the table um which is interesting because, like, in the it's yeah. it's always a, a a journey with her. Her audio is talking about I have my own theory of evolution, but then the what you're looking at is this three definitions of different kinds of cortexes. So they will tie together. Um, but let's get let's get back into her evolution theory before we. Yeah, I know. So I was like trying to make sense of it. I know she starts out with um, the. I guess like the the symbol of the snake but she kind of it's kind of at one point I was like wait where are we going what's this journey and I feel like you just summed it up a little bit better like with that quote tying it back in but 
talking about the symbolism of the snake, beginning of man in religion, Adam and Eve, the temptation of the snake, and then coming into the fact that um, your like parts of your brain that are connected to your spinal cord and our reptilian brain, uh, the the functions that we have that we don't have to think about like our heart rate, blood pumping, um, breathing, like things we don't actively have to think about. Right. And then all of that being centered within the spinal column, which in her brain was very similar to a snake, which I, to her credit, I was like, that's, I don't know how scientific that is, but imagery wise, I really like that. (laughs) Like the idea that like, it, it flows like a snake down. Yeah, I think there's something to be said just on the aesthetic point you're making. There's certain... Yeah. I don't know, things about the world that are... Uh, you, you, you know they, they're true without needing the logic because of, like, visual aspects of them that, like, lend them that sort of... Yeah. I don't know. Aesthetic credibility. It's compelling... For a few different reasons. Yeah, because I think a lot of times in, like, nature and science, there's so many um, similarities in the way things grow. And it. I think, like, a lot of times, like, we are very much creatures of this earth because of how our bodies are so visually um, relatable to things in nature. Um, you know, just, like, imagery grows the same. And it's... It, it, it creates a lore. The classic examples being, like, um, the vein patterns and, like, I don't know, rivers and tributaries mm-hmm. or roots. With root, I was about to say, like, root systems, too, or, like, hair follicles and trees and, like, hair protects our skin, trees keep the earth cool, like... There are certain, like, math equations that when you put onto a graph resemble the same like, naturally occurring, like, shapes that you see when you cut open, like, an artichoke or something weird like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, the golden rule, kind of, that goes through, like, creating shells, and, you know, it is interesting seeing how these things, like, visually are so similar, and, of course, you can't, like, scientifically say that, and I don't advise everyone to, you know, totally take it all, you know, as hardcore fact but it is fun and it is something not to discount well i feel like it's you're gonna be more easily led astray if you're just listening to what a scientist has said Mm -hmm. than you would be by trusting like the visual truths of nature because yeah of course there's the risk that you may misinterpret uh what you're looking at as just an observer of nature, but I would rather be in that situation than be led astray by someone that's using the reputation of science to convince people of some project that they want to be successful so that they can make a shit ton of money or whatever. Um, Scientists are definitely, I don't know, fallible. (laughs) I mean, I was about to say, like, I listened to a great podcast once about, like, how we hold scientists to this standard where they're unbiased, 
but then even having a very cold approach to stuff, you know, a very rational cold approach still makes you biased because it doesn't take into account gray areas of existence and like people. So like doctors have prejudice, um, scientists have prejudice. It's not. Ugh, I totally agree. It's like, not a catch-all. Yeah. Just because you do a job in a field that's based on like you know facts, testable, you're not a you're not what you're a human. You're going to be flawed. Yeah, and I was doing a, a scientific study. I was being a guinea pig for some medicine that needed to get pushed through the FDA when I was unemployed a few years I was, ago. I was talking to my and... roommate about this. Yes. <laughs> About you. Really? Oh yes, my God. I remember. See, I, I wonder what I've told you already, but basically, like, the, I, I was taking amphetamines. It was, like, a double blind, which means they didn't tell me if I was receiving a placebo or the small dose or the big dose, but I'm pretty sure I was getting the big dose. I know it wasn't the placebo, and I could not deal with the amount of amphetamines that I was required to deal, like, to, to take as a part of the study, mm. um, and whatever, that's my own, like, participant, like, that's me, like, being a bad participant in their study, um, because I don't just, maybe because I'm just too sensitive to uppers, but, uh, when I would go in, they would always ask me these questions that were trying to make dichotomous something that I could not possibly boil down when they're saying oh like beforehand how bad are you at uh interrupting or how frequently do you find yourself experiencing this symptom and then now how uh how big of an issue are those things and like whatever I said just at best at me being as honest as I possibly could be and as articulate as I possibly could be only maybe 75% doing justice to the experience that I had. Mm. Like the way that the questions are written, the way they're rolling through that list of questions. I just remember thinking like when this study is done, like whatever I've told them as, as much as I tried to be honest and articulate, I would leave feeling that whatever I said was being boiled down further because I was trying to give nuanced answers, but then they have to turn that into something more black and white. And like whatever like impression that data ends up giving, uh, from my answers, I just don't think it is effective at then being used for, to say, Oh, the side effects can be xyz or this has been proven to improve this symptom because this percentage of people reported improvements but there's always so many other factors that contribute to like at the, like you know what i mean at the time i yeah. was unemployed and depressed so there's a lot of other things yeah like what age you are like you know cuz i i know like i remember that period of time and it's like you're kind of in your mid 20s and generally like the economic situation jobs were starting to look bad and it's just there's right. so many other factors that go into what what result you're gonna, you're going to give yeah i started in january and then every day i'm getting more sunlight than the one before and that's going to have a huge impact too yeah like 
they're not factoring that shit in. Oh, no, not at all. Ugh. So, look, before I go too far, far down that, I'll go ahead and bring us back to this story. So let me see yes. where I'm at. And why do you think that it is always the serpent that is presented to you as evil? Um, because actually that is the core of your being. So, okay, you know how um, Eve Rodenmeyer does polls on her Instagram? Yes. So I've very, very often found myself when I do respond uh, being in the minority of those polls and one of them was do you think humans are inherently good or evil and I was maybe like less than 5% part of that group that said evil and I really thought about it. I remember this one. And this basically is evidence supporting my answer because she's saying your spine is the center of who you are as a person and the spine is the center of the human being and uh, it's a snake and it's what's represented as evil. So I guess it's sort of looking at our like physical center being this thing that represents and like her allegory at least represents the uh, part of our brain that is fight or flight involuntary sort of separate from empathy and cognitive thought about like problem solving it's just survival um yeah. kind of i guess like a more of a survival based i mean all of it's sort of survival but but this part is the most like primordial i guess um anyway. i think it's kind of hard to interject i think like to go back to the poll i i remember seeing that one and i didn't answer good on the ones that i don't i don't believe it can be yes or no i just don't answer because i same i want a third option and with that one, I kind of felt, like, neutral about because I, like, I can't say I think people are inherently good or evil. I think it's, like, a little odd to put it through a very, like, um, we're humans. We've created language for what we do, but other animals don't do that. And so I don't think putting us as good or bad gives us the same credit that we, that other animals get, which is just existing. We don't fault a creature that it does what it needs to do to survive. Like, I don't fault, you know, like, you know, my dog pushes boundaries with me daily. <laughs> he really tries me. And, but a lot of the time he's just, you know, he, he gives me a massive amounts of love. And then in the same breath, like, would be territorial over his bag of food in the, in the living room towards another dog that he lives with that he loves dearly. And I don't, I don't think, like, I wouldn't categorize him as, like, you know what I mean? I just don't apply that same lens because I'm like, oh, he's an animal. And I know at some point we begin to transcend animals. And I understand Azalea is putting this mm -hmm. a little bit in a different boat. But I just, I just don't view us through good or bad because I think if we just plopped humans, like, with no culture, no background, no anything, and we just plopped them in, in you know, land, I don't. I think eventually, like, they would have destructive habits, but also there's a really good chance then the people plopped there would also create a civilization to survive. 
I just don't think that we fit into that binary. But I think like through culture and the evolution of things, then we kind of it's kind of hard to tell like what made us evil when we do evil things. Yeah. Like, people in poverty are going to, you know, do things that are considered evil. But at the same time, those are their circumstances. I don't know if inherently they are like what they would have been like. We can't ever know. I feel like I it would also be inclined to want a third option. Um, when, but when I did answer, I said evil. Yeah, you were like, okay, well, if I have to put... I guess, I mean, I guess I would disagree and then I would put good. But then again, wanting to survive is going to make you do bad things. So then maybe evil again. So this is sort of where my... Like, right, so wanting to survive, it's sort of like amoral. It's not immoral, but it's... It's separate from morality. Yes. Okay, thank you. Thank you. That's exactly what, in so many ways, you could cut out half of what I said and just put the word amoral. <laughs> Which it was the same way you would say, you know, a bear is amoral uh, because it kills its whatever, like, you know, that it wants to eat as a part of its nature. Or it, like, attacks another bear for getting in its area. It kills, it kills another one of itself for X, Y, Z reason. That was where my brain first went. But then I go on to say, okay, but we are going to lengths to separate ourselves from nature that other animals don't because they fit within their ecosystem. Like, it seems like there's this balance that works because even though everyone in that ecosystem is not, like, cognitively doing what they can to improve the ecosystem or to fit within the ecosystem. It's just how it naturally happens. Um, maybe an ecologist could argue with me on that point, but I still guess I'm basically saying that uh, our culture is evil because our culture is at odds with the ecosystem of nature yeah. And nature itself is not good or evil. It just is. It just is. It just exists. It's not. We we apply a lens and then we make it fit our lens. Very much like Christians like to That's do. It's like, <laughs> like, does it make us good that we've like destroyed rainforests? No, like. Yeah, but that's, that's still, yeah, it's still like culture though. That's That's like a. I, I think then we get way too into a broader scheme of things if we start being like, well, our culture is evil. Because I think, you know, the question at hand, and I think what Azalea's talking about is, like, mm -hmm. inherently. You know what I mean? Like, because I could go on a million years about how, like, capitalism and, like, efficiency is why we are here where we are. And we've torn down ecosystems and we're destroying the earth it's for profit. But Maybe we can get there later. Because you know, I feel like that part comes in with her, like... That's, that's towards yeah. the end of her rant. So, the next thing yeah. she says is... Now, whatever cataclysmic event is happening on the planet, you know, to make the snakes rush out of the ocean and onto landforms, into marshes, and into all kind of shit, and it was definitely, it's definitely, like, very, very... This is, like, it's a very old event. The tectonic plates were still like breaking apart and forming continents when this happened. So like when all the snakes rush out of the ocean, my theory is that there is a there was a black snake, there was a yellow snake, there was a red snake, and there was a white snake. 
and in Azealia Banks's theory of evolution, the red snakes ended up somewhere in some sort of like volcanic, like lava shit, you know what I mean? The yellow snakes went into wet marshes. The black snakes buried underground and the white snakes got caught in an ice cap. <laughs> they got caught in a fucking ice cap. Um, and then on the next slide, the text says, red snakes, ancestors to current day, Indian, Sri Lankan, Bangladeshi peoples, and the like. They identify as brown people, but they emanate more of a red energy in my opinion. Yellow, green slash green snake, ancestors to people with Asian ancestry. And then black snakes, <laughs> we are not um, black. We are the brown peoples of the world. Uh, that was like her side note, basically claiming brown for black people because she gave red to um, Indian and Sri Lankan. Yeah. And then says, the white snakes weren't evolutionarily evolved to withstand any semblance of sunlight on their scales, lest they fry very similar to white people's susceptibility to develop skin cancers. Um, so the white snakes panicked and hid in a hole to hide from the sun. Okay. okay. Um, we just said okay at the exact same time. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, like, fine with this. I actually think that the census official racial categories are worse than this. It, 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 like obviously it's all sort of oversimplification um i was about to say and then how do you like if you're mixed with like multiple backgrounds you have a green snake and a brown snake then what spine color do you have <laughs> i don't know it sounds uh like a question we would have to ask her <laughs> yeah she needs to develop the lore more i have so many questions you know I'm, i just need to get it right <laughs> I, I mean yeah i'm totally on board with um adhering to what she's presenting it is like an allegory so it's sort of the way that i uh and i talked about this before but looking at some conspiracy theorists but also like looking at religious texts as more often than not being an allegory so it's sort of meant to be used to understand a truth that you can't articulate with literalism mm, because there's just not we don't have the w words to literally explain these truths so you have to create a system of metaphors to more closely approximate the truth that you're trying to describe so that's sort of where i'm at with it it's, it really is just as good to me as any you know biblical story from genesis that way i'm looking at it yeah well have you ever have you ever researched anything about like nation of islam or like louis farcon actually Farrakhan? no Farrakhan? not really this is really invoking the like i had a bunch of i'd have to like read and write papers on this stuff but like barely remember a little bit about that and he was really big against the white devils like he put everyone who had like more pigment in their skin as a as a clump together because he was like you know what we're gonna put everyone together and the only people that are gonna be like 
separate from this are going to be white people Mm -hmm. since they're, like, distinctly different. And he basically believed that, like, all the people who have pigment in their skin are of one race, and then the white people are in their own category, like, white devils, like, sent down to, like... I want to say torture us. He has a thing about a spaceship at some point that comes down um, to, like, lead the people away to a better life. But it, it was a whole thing. So, anyway, this is when she said that about, like, the white snake being distinctly different. It really reminded me of that um, that ideology from, like, Nation of Islam. Now, granted, he's also, like, heavily anti-Semitic. I think he puts Jewish people, no matter where you are on that um, ethnicity Evil spectrum. Category. And he puts them all with us. You know, he, he definitely, um, he's very anti LGBT plus like, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, there's a bunch of stuff that goes with it, but the only thing that I really mean, stood yeah. out to me the most was the like white devils, the white, white Satan. Okay. I can see how like that does collide with what she's saying here. Yeah. She's like inherently saying that the white snake of the four, which I did just Google if white snakes can be in the sun, and it they can't be in the sun as long as normal snakes, it seems. Mm. So they had to hide in the little caves, is what she's saying. Yeah, like, they have, they, apparently they still live, you know, they still need sunlight, but so many words, it kind of feels the same, like, it kind of feels like she's doing the same, it's like the same story. Like, saying inherently, when the four snakes divided, one had to go in the shadows. Yeah, and they evolved differently from that point because they were they were not integrating with their environment. They were hiding. Yeah. When you It's funny cuz she's like evoking like how modern science interprets why we like the human yeah. race is one race, but like how we have phenotypes. And she's basically explaining, like, already what we know about phenotypes is that, like, being in distinct areas of climate will bring upon certain traits. Right. No, I, I feel like, like she does an interesting combination of, like, mythology and science, but there's clearly parts of science that she is fully not respecting at the same time. Like, yeah, there's certain yeah, yeah. truths that work, but certain parts that don't don't work for her. Almost like every, every, every cultural group's, you know, kind of depiction or story of when the white man appeared, there's always this mention of them coming down off of a mountain. So while the rest of humanity had evolved and, you know, done all sorts of things you know we also had like lots of access to vitamin d lots of access to vitamin d we had civilizations we had families we had family values we had everything like every other like every every group in the world but when you don't have access to vitamin d because you are evolving in a cave system you are inherently just primed for fear because you don't know what's coming around the fucking corner in a dark cave system. You know what I'm saying? So you're always ready to kill something. So let's revisit this, uh, you know, let, let, let's, let's take an in-depth look at the white snake. Now, okay, 
when your reptilian cortex is firing the fuck off all the fucking time, right? And you don't have you have no access to vitamin D or adequate amounts of vitamin D that would uh, help you learn how to be a fucking decent human being. Your fight or flight response kicks in, and then that kicks in your neocortex, and your neocortex is where you solve problems. Uh... Okay, she says every other group in the world had civilization and family and family values, but when you don't have access to vitamin D because you are evolving in a cave system... What? (laughs) (laughs) So you're always ready (laughs) to kill something. (laughs) What is she talking about? Ah! I thought white skin was derived from like being at high altitudes and needing to reflect more sunlight because you needed more vitamin D. Uh, yeah. Do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that, that was, yeah, like, I thought it was like people in areas, or wait, or is it more because of, well, maybe, okay, so I, I think it's like areas where there's like limited sun and... Like, as in, like, you know, like, the sun cycles are shorter, and so you needed to take in more vitamin D. So, because light surfaces reflect sunlight better, it um, allows... You're not absorbing it as much. Yeah, yeah, so it's... um, No, I kind of follow what you're saying. I'm pretty sure that's why, like, that's their explanation for why skin is white see for some reason in my head i i had thought of it like if you are in this one sort of i don't know environment and for whatever reason you're a little paler than your ancestors you're gonna say well let me go north because i can't deal with the sun and then those other people that are going with you are also similarly resistant to the sun and then eventually the white people end up further north simply because that's their travel pattern after having issues with the sun but it makes sense what you're saying that you could look at it like a group of people that were already in an area that had less sun are then going to select like like naturally have the selection of lighter skin because it is absorbent to the sun's vitamins and also to its you know harmful qualities but but like i i guess it's sort of hard to say if the (laughs) difference in skin color is more associated with ancient travel patterns because humans can kind of pick up and leave if they want to or if it's more about natural selection that occurred for our populations that were already separated by, mm. like, it seems, continents. It se- I, I did a quick Google search. It seems that, like, it's kind of a mix of the two. It, travel patterns played a huge role with, like, farmers and hunter-gatherers towards where, like, Hungary was um, as people left Africa. And, but then, like, with, um, because up in Europe, it gets more mountainous, um, and high altitudes, more exposure to sun, and then shorter, 
light days, so like low light levels, favors more fair skin. And essentially, I think what they're trying to say here is that it might have caused like a gene mutation to optimize the amount of sun you take in and those altitudes. But then it's kind of hard because of, again, travel patterns like playing a role. And uh, it seems like a lot. Um, I mean, yeah, it's not a simple answer. Uh, her next point, okay, I don't know how we jump to guns, germs, and steel here. But That's what I'm saying. At some point we, because we, then she goes to talk about like, um, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure gunpowder came from Asia. It says the Chinese made the first gun. It, it has a steel end, but it mm-hmm. was a fire lance and it was a bamboo tube that used gunpowders to fire a spear invented in the 10th century. Uh. So, and it, yeah, it looks like it has like a, yeah. I mean, you got to give people their credit, you know, and I really don't know anything about um, like African weapons and like if what was made. So, you know, she is right. I, I don't know that. But unfortunately, the gun was made by the yellow snake. <laughs> the yellow stick made the gun. <laughs> well, I'm just um, saying, like... Well, to the point of, like, the the record that we're studying being, like, I guess, more thorough when it describes white people's contributions uh, or ingenuity than it would be for, say, I don't know, like, African. Uh, that also was something I was thinking about when it, she was talking about the, all of these European wars and rape and pillage is the things that we um, have. I mean, not me. I don't read about this shit. But things that somebody mm-hmm. is able to read about because the record still exists. But, like, like I, I mean, I don't know if there were equal uh, amounts of war and rape and, and like, Africa in those same years because there's not as far as I know, the same written record for us to know. So it's like... You kind of, like, ruin local lore and tales, and especially if it's, like, auditory and it's told through, not through writing, but through story, and then you remove storytellers from their areas or people get displaced, these stories get lost, so... I don't, it seems like kind of, it's, it's hard to tell, um, you know, I want to give every civilization its, its flowers and, you know, never want to make it seem like one group was not developed as much as the other because it's hard with the very, very, very large continent of Africa. (laughs) Like it, you know, through years of colonization, like what stories have been lost? I don't know. Right, right. Well, and I was going to mention, that, and this is a North African uh, situation, but the Library of Alexandria was burnt down. I feel like that was my yeah. favorite part of National Treasure was when they found scrolls from oh, the library yes. <laughs> of Alexandria. Well, the, it's so funny because then, and like, um, I really liked that of, and like high school because in... Avatar The Last Airbender, at some point, Aang manages, like, in this desert, stumbles upon a buried library of sorts that's protected, and he's able to, like, access lore pre, you know, the destruction of 
a lot of the civilizations due to the fire um, kingdom. But it's supposed to be a callback, essentially, to the Library of Alexandria. And it is such a cool thought that, like, you know, a whole library of just info just gone. So there's really just so much we don't know. But then, okay, so she goes from these eras, goes to essentially say that, like, war, blah, 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 white, white devils. And then somehow, which is beautiful, we somehow end up towards Elon at some point in time, right? Like, we get to modern day, and Elon being the topic of discussion. I wonder if I can jump to that part. All I see now is the Steel Age directly was inspired by the Iron Age. Maybe this is a weird... I find that white people are some of the most, as a white person, as someone who has white family, are the most fearful people... Because we've been spending too much time hiding in caves where we don't know what's around the corner. So our reptilian cortex is is overdeveloped compared to other cultures that have learned how to be a decent human, if I'm checking my notes correctly. Yes, okay. I like to say where I'm, where I'm dividing with Azalea is like, I'm going to say like, I find, I, I like totally see that same fear in this drive for like, you know, these white aristo, what is it, uh, aristotechnocrats, I forget what, the, yeah, for, like, going into space, I feel like it's just, like, white demons, like, the demons of you know, the sins of your ancestors, like, haunting you, and they're, like, literally in your room with you, like, are the demons in the room with you right now, like, that kind of thing, and so then they feel fear with their mm-hmm. sins on their backs, and that's why they're trying to flee the planet, <laughs> like, my version is more like, no, no, no. Like, I don't, I'm not totally sure if it's inherent as much as it's like they're being haunted. Cause, like, you see these, like, GOP white conservatives, they are, they will have job security. They will have, like, access to medical technology, this and that. Like, they have everything they need. They've literally benefited from structures the whole time. And they are like, someone's coming to fucking get me. And they have the most fear I've ever seen in my life. Like, uh, ex-boyfriends, families, because, like, my family's not in that category. But, like, of, like, wealth status. But, like, that could be in the biggest house just absolutely terrified of everything. Everyone always wants what they have. And I'm like, there's got to be something spiritually holding you down to be this afraid all the time. You know, all that to say is that, you know, the fear thing with the caves, I could I could get behind that. I, because what is it, fight or flight, I feel like I relate to that in my job search when it is, I'm in a period of, like, anticipating rejection and I, there's, like, mystery around me. Mm-hmm. There's this sort of, like, unknown enemy of a job that is not going to... Uh, even read my application or of a scammer that is going to try and manipulate me and I do get very angry and I do get very like I don't know calmed down by the idea of like murdering all people in HR so maybe that is that sort of like reptilian brain I'm going to be, like, completely transparent. I was riding along that journey, that thought journey with you, and I feel like we just, like, 
took a total turn that I, like, was not expecting. I was, like, completely listening and just being like, what is happening? (laughs) I gotta be real with you. I don't think I could ever expend enough energy to even to even think about being like, yeah, mass genocide to HR hiring managers. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a comforting thought. What can I say? Yeah, you're like, I'm coping mechanisms. This is what I needed to feel better. (laughs) Oh my God, that's so fucking funny. I was like, where are we going? Well, okay. I I guess I'm engaging in hyperbole here, but trying to relate to her description of white people as like yeah i mean you were like i'm white and this is yeah and this is what i how i responded <laughs> well, like, okay. if you're looking at <laughs> what are the stats on like serial killers like is that a that's a pretty white thing or yeah well okay so it's hard to tell with serial killers because Oftentimes, when the victim is white, a white woman, there gets more notice. And then there's a study done or some th- research done in the past. I don't, I don't have it pulled up, and maybe they've updated it since I last like looked this up once. But people are more likely to kill within their race, and because white female bodies are more cared for in media, white serial killers get more publicity whereas the like dozens of non-white women in this country that have like died at the hands of serial killers go unnoticed and so there have been stories of people where um multiple like you know black victims are coming up and they're all fitting an mo but the police department is racist and they don't want to put the funds in and they don't care about this community so it's so the, they don't get the same, like, serial killer status because it's not reported on yes, the same way? Yes, because the victim doesn't fit the what the narrative. Well, that's sort of the same shit I was just saying about, like, European history having the reputation of rape and war more so than Africa because we just didn't report, like, collectively on or didn't record, you know, those stories the same way like it's a weird kind of parallel exactly i I mean that's that's pretty you know case in point with that is that it history favors those who dominate and you lose a lot of stories in the mix but i i just remember being curious once with all these crime podcasts and like all of the victims kind of being of the same essence and i was like well is it only one type of person who does this and you know what are the circumstances at which uh breed you know all these like white male serial killers and just that was the general consensus um also like a lot of white men like uh, navigate in places of privilege and communities and cities so they can get away with more they're less questioned more resources financially so it's it seems like a lot of factors go into breeding serial killers, you know, despite, you know, your their tormented childhoods, too. But, like, a lot goes into being able to be a successful serial killer. And, I mean, like, honestly, like, the fucking delusion, like, really, the delusion of someone like Elon Musk to think that you're going to fucking escape, you're going to escape Earth and go to fucking Mars. You're not going to Mars. You're not going to Mars. You and all of 
children are going to have to deal with the consequences of the messes that you have made. There is no escape. There is no escape. So I guess I guess their plan is to like, you know, manipulate and destabilize everyone so that, you know, they can they can like leave the last mark in history or whatever. But god damn it, how 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 many times have you guys been trying to like kill us all? I mean, honestly, send him to Mars. I don't want to have to see his face here anymore. He disgusts me. I want him. Just send him to Mars. Like, nothing is on Mars. And he's going to learn really quickly that everything he needs is on Earth. So I'm, I'm like, he, it, it's this funny idea that everyone's giving him so much credit. Mars has nothing on it. It's empty. There's nothing there. I don't know why the fuck he didn't just focus on electric cars. Because that actually is so defendable in the, you know, climate change resistance redemption arc, I guess, if you're going to look at, you know, white people and the industrial revolution in the last, like, 200 years being the most damaging to uh, our planet. Like, that electric car thing seemed like the right idea. You would think, but that son of a bitch, man. He, there was a proposed thing for a light rail in California. Yeah. And then he came up and was like, no, 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 no. I'll make it. I'll make it. I remember that. And then he started putting all of his resources into his car business. So if he was to make a light speed rail that was accessible, fast, energy efficient, you know, something that would help people from a lot of different backgrounds... I mean, literally, the automotive industry, like, defunded trains and public transit. Like, we've lost so much of our cities, our civilization, I guess, modern civilization, to parking lots and ways to accommodate the fact that everybody's got to have their own individual little car. Whereas, like, if we had reliable trains, like, I wouldn't really... Or a neighborhood grocery store, which would give me community resources and give people jobs and money, like... You know, we could all be better off, but no. <laughs> uh, and now he's so now he's trying to do this thing where he thinks he's like saving free speech by buying Twitter and making these changes to it. Um, so I feel like we could get into that for a little bit before trying to wrap everything up. Um, I've seen a lot of people say he's such an idiot for changing the name to X. Twitter had such a uh, dominance and culture that the company has entered our vocabulary, so why would he change it to X? Yeah. So I don't think that he's just being completely reckless with this decision. I think it's a little calculated because what he's trying to do is reverse the impact that Twitter had on our political culture in the last 10 years and make it such that our political discourse on that app X can distinctly be separate from the, I guess if you want to say the word cancel culture of the Twitter of the last 10 years. Um, and I don't like think it's, I still think it's stupid. So are you saying like, he's saying that that would benefit public discourse if, in some way, it was made separate from the power it had before 
as Twitter? Yeah, basically. I'm trying to, like, understand, like, the strategy. He tweeted, and what made me realize this, he tweeted five days ago. He said, if you were unfairly treated by your employer due to posting or liking something on this platform, we will fund your legal bill. No limit. Please let us know. So that started to make me think, okay, he's taking a stance against people being mistreated by their employers as a result of their behavior on Twitter. And he's changed the name to X because he's trying to sort of, like, make the... Like, I think he actually hates Twitter. Like, I, I think he bought it because he hates it. Oh, that's totally what he did. That's, like, it's like when somebody buys out their competitor. They're, they're not doing it because they want it. They're doing it because they want to sabotage it. But I think he wanted, it's like, he then he bought it, you know, that whole fiasco of him trying to withdraw, because then I think he realized, whoop, mistake. Mm-hmm. But then he ended up buying ended it. ended up buying it. And he's like, well, since I have this power now, might as well. I like the, I don't, I, I don't the, know. The, I like the community I notes. That's the only thing I'll say. Oh, uh, those are kind of fun. I do enjoy, I do enjoy the, like, addition. Yeah, corrections when a story is bits. kind of, like misleading Mm -hmm. which is that's super nice to like have that detail because sometimes i'll read it and i'll be like what but generally like i don't think he's even smart enough to like credit with some greater goal i think he like i read somewhere where he tried to rename paypal (laughs) okay (laughs) when he was originally an angel investor for that like it just feels like an obsession like a a neuroatypical, like, obsession, fixation point. Like, he's like, I really like the letter X. Like, that's what it feels like. It he's doesn't feel like anything valid. Living out his, like, superhero character fantasy. Yeah. I'm following. Yes. And, of course, he... So, you know, I was a big Grimes fan in college. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We know this. And then, you know, she got with Elon, and then the descent happened, and now I just get to say I'm a former fan. But... She also is that same corny way where she, like, likes stuff for, like, in a way that almost kind of becomes just, like, corny and dweeby. Like, it's kind of cool in essence, and the discourse can be cool about, like, AI and, like, things like that. And somehow she manages to take it and make it seem so fedora neckbeard. Like, they basically are, like, fedora neckbeards (laughs) with influence. I just have yet to hear something Elon Musk does that's, like, genuinely cool. Like, I don't know, like whatever x the twitter thing is odd the fact that all of the branding on the app is still twitter blue still has the twitter emoji to write it just feels so odd and like i'm stuck in some like worse version of batman that's so accurate (laughs) i really don't like the logo and i you make a good point like you they've incorporated the blue as a part of their, like, subscription service. And that is also his, I don't know, like, trademark uh, development is the, you have to pay for your blue check, but, and it's called, like, Twitter Blue. What is it now? Is it called, like, X Blue? Because as far as I know, it's Yeah, still... it's it's just, it's an afterthought. Like, yeah. if I pull it up right now, you still have all of the Twitter Blue... And then you go to write a tweet, and it's the little feather, which I understand is supposed to be like a, you know, an old feather yeah. that they used to write with, how that people wrote with quills. But that was also part of what made Twitter's branding so phenomenal, was the fact that it was, their icon was a bird that, like, tweeted mm-hmm. out little thoughts. 
and incorporated the feather of a bird to write your thought. A profile without a photo would be an egg because it was like just a baby that had just was an egg. It hadn't yes. hatched yet. It, it's just so goofy that it's just like so afterthoughty. Um, it seems impulsive. I think he is like notoriously very impulsive, but I do think that oh, like yeah. in addition to being very uh, like corny and dweeby, there's a uh, deliberate effort along the way to reverse a lot of liberal progress. And like yeah. I feel like Azalea's rant, I don't know exactly what it was inspired by. But I saw another Elon thing because apparently somebody had followed. No, sorry. He had followed an account that's main shtick was tweeting uh, about like race science and sort of like all of these tweets from this account that he now follows are just talking about IQ differences between like, Asian, white, and black. I don't know how many people Elon Musk follows. The account he follows is called Monitoring Bias. And Elon follows. It's like, it, he, would, he would be a eugenics motherfucker. Ugh. This is just so infuriating. And this is, like, again, I, I think the last time I was on your podcast, I talked shit about Elon Musk. So I'm clearly a big hater. But I just, like, that man wakes up every day, he looks in the mirror, and he goes, I am part of the superior race. Like, are you serious right now? Go run a mile. Go publicly run a mile. Like, there's no way. It's the most delusional people who think they're part of something greater. I had an ex whose brother, they came from wealth and privilege and long time money and whatever and he like fully believed that he was like that some people were just like born in like that everyone was born into their situations for a reason and that like and some people who were born at the bottom of the totem pole in his words were like meant to be there I was not present for this conversation I just heard mm-hmm. about it referenced later once um, and when I tell you he didn't even get into the fraternity he wanted. So your own people didn't want you. You were outcasted then. And then, like, basically takes, like, low-level, like, you know, I guess in so many words, just, like, grunt work engineering jobs. It just is so interesting to hear the people who have these opinions and then you, like, break it down and it's just overall, like, nothing really noteworthy about them. Like, not even accepted by their own peers, not even in, like, circles that demerit like have not worked from anywhere like literally had the spoon in their mouth at the jump like and then they'll go i'm superior yeah and their own insecurities are fueling their ethnic narcissism or whatever because if they were actually successful they wouldn't need that you're not it's it's just so funny because i'm like you're not you're not that girl you're not that girl like you never were like i just went on a whole tangent about how much i hate eugenics <laughs> we're taking a stance you know so it's good to have it on the record yeah well it's just like on record if anyone needs to be publicly roasted and just send them my way or if they also happen to believe in eugenics i am more than willing to 
um, break down somebody's character <laughs> in public image. I can only hope that, like, we have more Azealia stories coming our way. I, she kind of was... We kind of had a drought this year. Uh, for months, she was not active on Instagram. Um, and she's coming back pretty strong right now, so... She needs to... She needed to take a break, especially with the Lizzo stuff happening, which we won't get into, but, like, you know, she had some statements she said and turned out to be right, so, you know, sometimes she has to let her words simmer. Like, she can't just be throwing out bangers each time. Yeah. It has to disappear for a bit, so then when something happens, like a prophet, she can show back up and give us her next, (laughs) you know, future thoughts. That will apply in like three years. I was happy for her to take the break, but if uh, if I have another podcasting drought, I feel like her return is always a good sign that I can get back on the mic and if nothing else, yeah. just uh, play her voice into it and then hit publish. And now's the-